Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Stolen Science Podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am still Kendall Gilmet, along with Harry Pavlidis. Hello, Hello. Harry. Number 15. I'm going to go with, uh, I think Jim Edmonds wore some 15 at mm. some point. <laughs> so. Good one. Uh, Jimmy Ballgame. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, so uh, quite a bit has happened since we last talked. We've got a, a franchise on fire. Winter meetings are over. And there was just a few notable moves. Oh, and our friend Shohei Otani has has selected a team. He has. He's handed his rose to the uh, Los Angeles Angels of, of Anaheim or Anaheim Los Angeles is of Angels. I've, it's hard to keep track. Anna, Anaheim, not Anaheim. The Angels. The Angels. California. I remember when they were the California Angels and Nolan Ryan was pitching for them. Yes, as do I. <clears throat> so I have to say that um, I'm a big fan of uniforms. And mm-hmm. the Angels have had both some of the best and some of the worst over the years. Yeah, they had. Some, yeah, they had talking about Jim Edmonds. Yeah, they yes. had some crazy weird ones. Yes, like with the A that has modernism. wings on it, and yeah, that was pretty bad. But they've also had. But there's the, some old like the late 1980s like pullovers with the broad um, stripes on the waistband and stuff. Yep. You know, those those were good. Yep, and then they have That's, the old cap with the halo on it, which is mm-hmm. like on the top. Yeah. So that was a yeah. They should bring that back. Yes, I would love to see Mike Trout in a in a cap like that. <laughs> Instead, would they have a rally monkey? Which is totally so, different. Totally, totally different. different. So today we are going to touch on a whole bunch of different things. Um, we are going to talk about the recent happenings. We've got some, also some. Um, I don't know what we would call it. Statistical conversation. Yeah, what's the Yeah, we're gonna talk about some pitch data stuff. Pitch data and, stuff. Um, yeah, we talk about the Hall of Fame. Talk about some stuff about Statcast that was written about in Deadspin. There's a few, yeah. So I think we should talk. Start with the uh, franchise on fire. The, yeah, I guess. So our friend Derek Jeter. And the Miami Marlins have decided to uh, blow up the team, <laughs> slash payroll, and trade away everybody, as I'm sure everyone knows. Um, the largest of those in both size of contract and size of person is Giancarlo Stanton, who is now a New York Yankee. But I think that the bigger conversation is more about them as a franchise and how they're um, perceived in South Florida, it, as well as kind of what they're doing competitively. Um, so, mm-hmm. what did you think of Dan, what they got? The Dan Lebetard thing, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Rob Manfred and Dan Lebetard talking about this and basically screaming at each other for 15 minutes. Um, that, yeah, I saw that like a six-minute clip of that, and they're it's the top. It's from the beginning of the segment, and it's they're both angry like when it starts so like it's like i don't know if something was already going on before they went on air or if just simply the hosts are already like kind of irritated by what was been going on and then manfred's sitting in you know on his phone waiting for 
to be turned on live listening to that, you know, for a couple minutes before or something before he started. I don't know. Because, boy. Came out pretty hot. Yeah, I think yeah, if you have the chance, <laughs> go, go listen to it. I mean, uh, I think Levitard leads off with basically calling Rob Manfred a liar. And then yeah. Manfred's like, I'm not going to sit here and let you call me a liar, all this stuff. So um, definitely interesting. I think one of the things that kind of came out of that is the discussion of um, did you know that – so Dan Lepitard asks, you know, did you know that they were going to slash payroll? Did you know that they were going to trade Giancarlo Stanton and all these other people? And Manfred's like, no, we don't really get into that. We don't get into the – Operation. That's not what he said. No, he says he, he puts. He he said we, he said we don't get into the player specific. Right, that's true. So he was very careful in how he answered that. He knew very well, and there's no there's no controversy there that they were going to cut payroll. Right. Everyone to. knew that. Yeah. Everyone knew that when this happened, that when they when the franchise was acquired, that they were going to cut payroll and and move guys. Like I, I this was telegraphed all along. That it was a very like a billion dollar deal, but it was debt laden, and that was going to hamstring the franchise. And people are comparing it to like the Cubs and the Astros, and I'm like, oh, that's a good comparison because like those teams were were bad and didn't have any assets like that. You know, this was a, the the Marlins were probably a team that was a couple moves away from being very competitive, right? And they and they bailed. And so, so, so my one gripe is that people, you know, or a couple is that people are saying that the commissioner is being dishonest about what he knew. And I don't think he's being dishonest. I think he's just, he's kind of parsing it. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, was put on the, yeah. he was definitely very careful with how he said it. But I think one thing that I do feel like he was dishonest about was, um, the comparison. He compared it to the Astros and to the Cubs and yeah, I don't think that's justifiable. It, it, yeah, I mean it's it's it, I, yeah I I can't see that, and I don't. I mean, it, when it's, you, that's when a very like well, if these two teams were really bad and they really got really really good. It's like okay, well, first of all, that was hellacious uh, for a few years, and that was not you know, and it was a big. There was some risk involved in it, and hit, but also those teams were you know, well, the Astros. You know, this this is the same. I don't think it was an ownership change. It was just, you know, they, they bought Loonhow in. Right. And so, and now with the Cubs, it was a, like, this, the, the Cubs were owned by the Tribune company and, you know, and then Sam Zell, who owned Tribune, and before they were sold to the Ricketts. And, and the Ricketts acquired the team and were, and it was a horrible team. It was like a really bad baseball team. And it had a pretty good scouting department, but a really, unfortunately underperforming player development and the the stadium was in shambles stadium was just ridiculous and no longer suitable for this era yeah there were so many problems with the cubs and so when they acquired the team they took on more debt than was allowed so they were forced to have like monthly updates that they were servicing the debt they basically couldn't spend money above a certain level because they oh if you have that money to spend you should be paying down this debt that we really don't want you to have like the league was like, we don't want to sell this team with this much debt, but this is the way it's going to be. So I think a similar situation happened with Miami, where that billion dollars—I don't know if that was an actually the you know, cash trans- value of the transaction. I think there's a there was some debt acquiring. I don't know. I think but there was a lot, case, lot of debt. Yeah, 
Yeah. So that if that's the case, and it's then they're not allowed to spend. Like that's just going to be the rule. And that was probably conditioned of buying the team that they're going to have to cut the payroll. It's like you guys don't have enough revenue, so you're going to have to acquire this and service this debt to be a viable franchise under our operating procedures. So I'd love for someone to be you know much more authoritative on this because I'm just kind of guessing a bit, but it seems to me that. This was foreseeable. We all knew it anyways. And yeah. that the commissioner could have probably been a bit more candid. But I don't think he I think he recognized that if he if he if he was candid and this it was hostile. Yeah. And they were you're gonna be like, How then why would you let them buy a team? Why? <laughs> right, right. It would have been just like there's no productivity at all out of it. So that was just like a no win interview. Man, that was just like that was doomed from the start. Yeah. Rob Maines, um, on Baseball Prospectus, Rob Maines recently wrote a piece um, that we'll link up in the show notes, but he talks about kind of how they financed the team. Um, and per Forbes, he says there was um, $800 million in cash and $4 million in debt. Um, $400 million in debt. Yeah. So, okay. So That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of millions. And you can argue about how their debt existed and how they had public financing and all that, but but it just it, that's you know that's all important too, but not so much in the context of where we are now. Okay, so everybody kind of like setting aside some of the uh, messaging issues that the league has created, I think, with this and the naivete of the Sherman Group, which is has Derek Jeter as the face uh, and as a, as like their highest paid and senior employee in baseball operations, but he did not put that much of his own money in there. He's the face of this group. And I think they may have been naive about how much of a honeymoon he was going to receive. Yeah. And I think it went really badly because they've gone through this before. I mean, his Heisinga used to do this right. every time they won a series, you know, it was like complete flush. And so they're really people. They're sick of it. There, like they're, they're just they've been through it. Well, and from the jump too, yeah. like he fired a bunch of scouts or oh, front yeah. office people. And, and, and Jeff Conine, yeah, chased like, Conine the out the he, door. Like they're like, Mr. Marlin has been dismissed. I'm like, why would you fire the mascot? I'm like, oh, Mr. Marlin is that's not Billy the Marlin. That's Jeff Conine. <laughs> I literally thought like the first thing you do is fire the mascot. I'm like, oh no, Mr. Marlin is. It's like Ernie Banks is Mr. Cobb, right? Yeah, imagine that. Imagine the Ricketts are like, hi, we bought the team. And our first order of business, we're getting rid of Ernie, get rid of Billy, get yeah. rid of Ronnie. Imagine pulling down their that. numbers. Imagine. Pulling down their numbers. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Ugh. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a mess, too. And they tried to offer them jobs back. I think Dawson was, yeah, all yeah. those guys. Man, it was a mess. It, it, it came in, they, they wouldn't, yeah, it was really, it was very sloppily done. That's for sure. Um even if it had to be done, they're just like, we're going to take our medicine. They could have, there's some things that you just, just unforced errors. And, Would you, you know, Jeter sending David Sampson to do all the firing and then firing Sampson. That, that was also kind of, you yeah, know, it's so Derek, Derek, not, Derek not showing up at winter meetings. Oh, yeah. I think that it's really finally, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because he has obviously had so much PR training and media training to, to, be so oblivious to this to miss like I the optics the, of this are terrible that he doesn't have the media training really I that we just assumed it yeah i assumed it too that he this guy's got media training this guy has years of 
consulting firm media experts who prepare him to manage his image. And no, I don't think he did because if he had, it didn't take. Right. Uh, Because uh, this didn't go well uh, at, at all. And like his charisma and whatnot seems to have been shattered. It's like, it, he's good at saying nothing after a baseball game. That's what he was good at. And the media just right. loved him. I yeah, mean, I think that's sure. another part of it. So you know, now there's, there's reason for hostility and it, it, it hasn't gone well at all. And it's okay. So the, 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 there's all this, there's a lot of drama. I think when the, the practical question is all comes down to the practical question of, are they getting good prospects in return? Are they getting a just return for the guys? And that's a very, very, very important thing in this. So I think when, maybe when they're dealing with the Yankees, because all these guys came from the Yankees, they probably know that system. But outside of that, I don't know. Like this is not like it's a team that has been together a long time and has like, there's a question mark. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's Over, very they true. Really, cause, and because... The, this, the, the packages they got back, pretty much every single one of them has been across the board by all the prospect experts and whatnot as being underwhelming. Like, this is not like building up a great farm system is basically what people are saying. Yeah, I think that the, um, the Osuna trade um, was a, a better return. Um I'm trying to look it up to make sure. Yeah, the Cardinals sent. Like, yeah, they sent some some pretty relatively. Yeah, but again, high people end. like that wasn't even. Yeah, but people would say that, that those weren't even the best guys. Like they did yeah. not get the best prospects out of any. They didn't get the top five guys out of any system. I yeah. think that was the. And even if it's a super deep system, and that five and six guy maybe a two and a three and another, you know, it's 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 the point being that they didn't like go out. And come back with a bunch of top 10 prospects in baseball yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't have like this. Well, they got this guy, you know, there is it. it and that's what people are really upset about. And I, that, you know, when you, when you, the, that's when you, when you sweep away everything and, and the realities as ugly as they are with the financial situation, that the fact that they don't seem to have been, had a plan to get the best prospect return, and they spent a lot of time negotiating trades with teams that Stanton was not going to approve. Yeah, and he told them. Like, and, and he knew. Yeah. And they, apparently they knew. And Stanton did it out of like professional courtesy. You know, it's like, well, I guess I would tell them to hear their pitch. but Amazing. I'm I mean, not, you know, as a waste. They wasted time and leverage. played their hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just lost all the leverage and in public, and it was a major... Um, is I think is a major blunder by the. Everybody was like Stanton's not. Yeah, yeah. Stanton has said he doesn't. It's like he didn't. And then it came out afterwards. That was like very plainly. No, those I was. Those were not on the list. <laughs> but we took the call anyways. You know, type yeah. of thing. Which so. makes which makes Stanton look great, and everybody else in the in the Marlins look completely foolish. Which, um, yeah. Which I, I mean, that's that's it. hard. That's. I feel yeah, the Marlins for, are learning the hard way. Yeah, I feel for the Marlins fans especially because um, they, they went a, off at the town hall. Jeter did show up to do a town hall and basically yeah. yelled at for ninety minutes by like Marlins man and saw, all that, sorts yeah. of other less famous people. Um, just let him have it. 
and they had responses to his responses. Like they basically were like calling him on his own answers. It's like it's like just you know, it's like the car was broken down. It's like you, you but you got you you replaced it with a worse car, and the car wasn't broken down. It just had a flat tire. That's it. Right. You know, it's like you know, and it's just like just people people had better responses to the situation at hand than he did. It was just so, I know I don't think he's well-trained <laughs> for, yeah. for media that is, did, that hasn't shown. Right. And, and for, <sighs> in, in baseball ops too, but, um, and well, I mean, I think it's interesting. We, we talked a little bit about, um, the commissioner and, um, mm-hmm. this is not the only thing coming out of the commissioner's office lately. Um, no. there's, today was a weird day. Today was a weird day. We're recording on, um, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. It's the shortest day of the year. It is. First. Happy solstice. Yeah. Um, were, we're celebrating. May the darkness be all encompassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, today it was. Um, it was very dark. Yeah, so we got news today that Bob Bowman, um, who stepped down from uh, Baseball Advanced Media, Major League Baseball Advanced Media in November, I think. Um, something like that. Yeah, it was like after the sale was over. Yeah, Disney had finished buying up the majority of them or something, and he was like, "Well, it's time for me to go." And he's the guy who basically started. It was a startup. Right. Yeah, and it was always a separate company ran by Bob. Like this was his company alongside adjacent that built up all the technologies, the video platforms, streaming services, game day Statcast, pitch fx all these things that we talk about all the time yeah uh, yeah and it turns out that 10 years ago according to the wall street journal which dropped a report today that 10 years ago bud Selig was told that there were problems with mr bowman and that they were and they were never addressed and the, and the wall street journal's reporting on what went on at bam after that are you know not great unflattering to say the least i mean it's not not great like literally having a prostitutes on you know sent in in a by bus to office uh events i mean like literally like this is just like i can't believe it it's like what do you what and and more and it sounds like it was you know an unpleasant environment for the people working there as a result of his behavior and yeah crazy and so really it's like this the feeling is like wow he probably should have been let go 10 years ago because what happened was commissioner manfred had to to terminate effectively push him out is the way wall street journal put it because he shoved a red Sox executive right like physically you know comfort you know um and that led to this all coming out i guess yeah and manfred having him go and it's weird because, like, on one side, I'm like, wow, they probably should have done away with him 10 years ago. Right. And then the other side of my brain is like, whoa, I've been, like, thanking this man. Yeah, I've never met him, never talked to him, but I know people work for him and, and whatnot. Yeah. I'm, like, I've been thankful for what this guy's business has created. And I'm just like, wow. Like, it's like, I'll just point out that it probably would have happened without him. And they probably had the right ideas and could have found the found the right people. Yeah, but they didn't. They kept him in, in ten years of, of of you know, according to this Wall Street Journal report, of, of a lot of pretty bad stuff. So it's kind of the dark cloud today. 
you know, for yeah. sure. There's a lot of this stuff going on, like obviously of all sorts of types or things right now. And it's actually been quite beneficial to our society to have these things cleaned out. But this is definitely one of those moments where it's like, oh boy, this is right inside our, this, this, this call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. This is one of our, this is, this is, so this reckoning is coming through baseball now. I don't think this is going to be <laughs> at all the last thing yeah. we hear. Well, um, I mean, I think that I, it's, it's yeah. going to, you know, hopefully there's a new tone set at, um, Baseball That's the most media. important thing. Um, so it's a, it becomes a, a safe working environment for everybody. But um, I mean, they talk. Yeah. It, it seemed like there was a lot more focus on the shoving incident. Incident, and to me, the more troubling thing is just this like culture of, um, I don't know, just really terrible behavior. Um, and, yeah. and so I, I think that that's the biggest thing for me. It was like, yeah, he shoved a guy. That's terrible too. Um, but holy crap, but like some a, of the things, yeah. I mean, kind of this culture of fear and all of this stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, I hope that, that, that bit, I hope that culture has gone away with him. I, I hope yeah. that for all our friends who work there, that they are not no longer experiencing anything of that nature because, right. boy, people know hostile work environment can really be taxing on, on, on people, not just the people who are most directed, but you know, even not, even the people who are not directly being harassed or abused. It just creates a bad environment for everybody. And, and uh, it's just, you know, people feel uncomfortable. If they know their boss could scream and swear at them, right. You know, openly in the office, it creates, a, it just makes people feel uncomfortable. And, you know, hopefully that tension is gone because, some of the things that, yeah. So yeah, people should read the article, I think. I think they should be aware of what, what happened there because it is our sport. And, it's, and this is a group that's very integral to our enjoyment of the sport. And their leader is is gone for reasons that were different than what we uh, originally thought. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the end of his goal. His goals is in the business. It was uh, precipitated by this, by all this history, apparently, and it coming to the surface. So, yeah. Kudos to Mr. Manfred for that, for addressing that, assuming he didn't know about it before he became commissioner right. and could yeah. have done something. It's not very flattering. Yeah. I just want this to be clear that the article does not paint Selig very flatteringly no. um, in this. And it kind of shows that, the, you know, the implication is this change may not have occurred if Manfred wasn't in charge. Right. Um, so... So on one hand, Mr. Manfred, we do not exactly like how you're communicating about the Marlins. But on the other hand, I uh, appreciate that you had to make a pretty big uh, change for not super great reasons uh, that your predecessor chose not to deal with. So that's never fun. Right. Yeah. So, so that, yeah. <laughs> moving, moving on. Moving on. So you kind of had to get that elephant, those elephants off the table. So yeah. how can you talk about baseball and about those two things yeah um kind of big ones um we'll talk more about stack and bam later in the show <laughs> yeah let's um circle back to that. um circle back to that but we should we should go back to our friend mr otani yes if we if we can so yeah. we'll, we'll mark the time at the episode and let people know if they don't want to hear all the crappy stuff they can just skip here to talk about otani yeah um it's projection season kids you know what that means? 
It means myself and Rob McEwen and, and all the other curators of projection systems like Steamer and Zips. This is the time of year where we make our mistakes and publish information that people will use against us to tarnish reputations for months to come. So, yay. Projecting foreign players is really hard to do because the league, the foreign leagues are hard to figure out the competition level because it's kind of a mixed bag. And you don't have that that many players who come over back and forth or players who, you know, American players who go there. So it's hard to technically execute the steps required to make a projection. And that's so, when, we, when we talk about that, you're talking about like trying to establish a major league equivalent, right? And, and, yeah, like and equivalents you, for the performance and then, you know, yeah, exactly. Okay. And what comparables you have. So there's just the mechanics, logistics of it are a little tricky. So... So ours, like I, these are not actual Pakoda numbers. Like these are Rob McEwen, you know, hand curated projection. Uh, and then Steamer and Zips, I think they they were able to they they use their own process of some sort. I mean, it's not completely just uh, handmade. There's definitely some looking at stuff like you know Davenport translations and things like that. Um, that's probably the most popular MLE that's out there for Clay Davenport, former VP person on international stuff. So if you want to look at MPB data, get MLEs, that's one way, good way to do it. Uh, remember to kind of, they come out optimistic in my opinion. But anyway, so no matter how it happened, we've got three projections so far that we were able to find for Mr. Shohei Otane, which is actually six projections. Yes. He's a two-way player, remember. That's right. And two times three... That's six. Harry, you're the math guy for a reason. That's right. That's right. Making sure this is stat-centric and math-centric podcast because the first 15 minutes weren't. You've got so multiplication. I did that math. I worked it out. I got multiplication. Got yep. Now, so what do we got? We got three slash lines. Let's see. You want to start with the hitting? Yes. Let's start with the hitting. So the dude's going to be a DH. So every, nobody knows like how much playing time he's going to get. So if you look at like the war predictions for him or warp it's going to vary like crazy. So it's probably just easier just to look at a slash line. Like Fangraphs has him scheduled for one plate appearance. Um, that seems Zips low. has him. It seems a little low. Zips has him uh, like 305 at-bats. We have uh, 176, something like that, 200. I don't know. I can't tell. Rob cut off the header, uh, but not a lot. Yes. So like, we're lower on playing time. But everyone has basically the same numbers. <laughs> Maybe we're all looking over each other's shoulders. <laughs> yes. Because all right, so I'll, I mean, what, what we have a two sixty nine batting average, three thirty two on base, and four sixty slugging, which is impressive. You know, it's not great, but for a twenty three, twenty four year old guy with no experience, that's that's you know, it's expecting some power, okay. a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, zips. Okay, so we're 269, 332, 460. Zips, 266, 328, 466. So basically 270, 330, 460. Uh, now we have more. Steamer. Steamer, also found at Fangraphs. You can find the Zips and Steamers at Fangraphs. Uh, Steamer's got him 256, 332, 447. So about 10, 15 points lower in batting average, yet the same. You know, expecting they're expecting more walks apparently than anybody else. So the same on base percentage, and a little lower on the slugging. 
but if you put it all together in the in the you know in the lazy man's uh, pretty, approach of OPS, pretty close. You know, it's like right, you know, seven eighty, seven ninety OPS. That's basically the call from the three all three systems. It's like he's gonna be just under eight hundred OPS if they're right. So I have a question for you, Harry. If you were mm-hmm. if you were Mike Sosha, mm-hmm. how often would you play him at DH? A couple times a week, probably, maybe three, most. I mean, in a week, given week, he may have two starts. You know, uh, not a lot. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Like the day before and the day after a start, no. Okay. So I would probably two, say two, two, two or two, three. Yeah. Yeah. And you let him hit when he pitches. You give up your DH when he pitches. So with that, um, if you do that, and say he goes six innings, so your last three innings, you your pitcher still has to hit, right? Yeah, you're going to you be playing pinch, National League Baseball. You would pinch yeah. It, probably. Yeah. yeah, you don't have a DH. You are playing National League Baseball. Okay. Although your opponent has a DH. Right. So it does, uh, it does potentially shorthand you. But at the same, by the same token, there's extra room on the roster. There's not, you, have another, you have another, you have play. another roster spot. <laughs> yeah, so it should be okay. So that, yeah, I think conservative estimates on his batting schedule would probably be, you because know, they he projected to be their best pitcher. You know. Yes. So let's, it's well, kind let's of, talk about that's it. kind of. Yeah, if you yeah, if you have your best pitcher and he can deliver that, yeah, the ERA, the ERA projections, yeah, everybody, I think, if you played out the full, I think he has the lowest ERA for a starter, and if, depending on playing time estimates, like Garrett Richards may throw more innings, so yeah. he may be more valuable according to us. Um, I can't, I don't have no the others, I, but I do remember looking. I think he was the best pitcher on both staffs uh, yeah. on in us in. Because steamer and zips were on Fangraphs, so we can check real quick. But basically, three point five ERA is what what people are calling. Like we have, we scratch out three point four. Zips has three five five, and steamer three four eight. So three point five. That's for a rookie starting pitcher. So that's uh, that'd be good. I mean, that's means that he's basically a three win player. It, with that, I think two to three wins. That's just with his pitcher, uh, now, right? That just with his pitching, right? So, it it's like if he if he actually gets like a substantial amount of batting time, and he yeah. So let's see. I'm gonna look at the RC to the RC plus on this. Yeah, they have. Yeah, he's expected to be one like in the top five or six hitters on the team. So maybe 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 he's actually going to get more playing time than I'm expecting. If he's actually that good of a hitter, um, do you think he really ever plays first base? No. Always DHs. Maybe Pujols plays first. Yeah, Pujols will either rest or play first, <laughs> or or be injured. Uh, I, I, I hope mean, not. Pujols, I hope not. I I would be thrilled if Albert Pujols had some type of bounce back. I'm not. I'm. I wouldn't expect it. Yeah. 
so no, I think Poulos is going to play in the field quite a bit. Yeah, I was just looking up um, Mike Sosha. Uh, he may, or he played thirteen years in the big leagues, yeah. all for the like Dodgers. The, yeah, he was the Dodgers. So yeah, he was like the National Dodgers League. catcher for like yeah. Oh so, yeah, he was like he was Dodgers catcher for like Lasorda for like you know. It was like he was after Jaeger, or was he before Jaeger? I forgot the order. But, uh, yeah, he was very, you know, we're all regarded National League ball player. Yeah, but I, I think that might give him some uh, – I was just looking because I couldn't remember if he was a National Mike, League. Mike Schultz knows how to overmanage. Knows. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So, all right. So that's what we expect from Otani. Maybe a win on offense if he plays enough, and three to four wins. You know, three. So he could be. That's a really freaking valuable player. Yeah. For, for <laughs> the know? league minimum. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, just for that, sure. But yeah, that's so. That's so. Those are. I think it's pretty. The, the projections that may kind of sound optimistic if we talk about them, but. When he realizes what type of player he is and how strong he is and how fast he, you know, physically get his three elite tools at least, uh, he, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah. He's not going to get any positional value, you know, by DHing. So he'll lose, you know, he's going to be dinged on that, but he's expected to hit at least a bit, at least for power. Yeah. And, I, think, uh, I think that's going to, for me, that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch. Um, as he, uh, I, like I expect his pitching to be fine. There's going to be, I think, a, initially he'll probably overperform, and then the league will kind of catch up to him. But I, yeah. I imagine. I mean, that's pretty standard. But I imagine that he will. Um, I mean, he's handled a heavy workload in the past, so I don't think you know I don't worry about him like I would a normal twenty-three year old or whatever. Um, so, but I think his, his hitting and how he handles major league pitching, I think will be really interesting. So I, I hope he hits all the time. I mean, I think that'd be really cool to, to watch and to see. It's this whole thing. is just like a, a mystery. It's yeah. going to be pretty wild to watch this play out. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back to talk about other things about pitches 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 stuff um, we're going to talk about uh, an article by on baseball prospectus by Jeff Long about uh, long form movement and long form yeah that's what he it's, I think it's a good, way, a good thing to call it I've always called it short flight and long flight long form movement sounds so much more sophisticated it does it does so hopefully that will catch on so can you um, or maybe can I? I will um, try and provide my layman's explanation, and you 
can correct and fill in the blanks with your expert opinions or expert knowledge. And uh, all right, well, maybe we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Um, so, okay. what Jeff Jeff was talking about when we look at um, the pitch charts. Oh wait, let me interrupt you. Okay, it's also called El, Ca- El Caso a favor del movimiento de forma prolongada. Yep, that's what, was, that's what I was gonna say, but um, yeah, yeah, I chose. And I apologize to all the Spanish-speaking <laughs> people out there for how horribly I just pronounced all those words. Yeah, so well, quick plug there. That's a good good point. Quick plug um, for if there's any Spanish speakers. Um, if you're only a Spanish speaker, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But um, if you are and you're a Spanish speaker and you want to read some baseball content in Spanish, um, we have been translating some of our articles into Spanish on Baseball Prospectus. And uh, so go there and check that out. Um, uh, they've been doing a great job with that. So uh, this was one of the articles that has been translated recently. So Indeed. Um. Yeah. So long form movement and sh- or long form and short form. Um. Long form is basically tracking it out of the pitcher's hand, and the the distance the ball travels over that um space, and short form is basically taking it. F- on taking it without accounting for I'm going to totally mess up all these words without accounting for the gyro spin which is what causes the like it's the spin that causes movement is that right no, no? <laughs> <laughs> magnus there's basically two forces acting uh, on the ball, baseball three. You know, there's there's this, this normal air resistance. Yes. Okay, but the, the the spinning of the ball and the seams on the ball and the the air resistance create Magnus force. Okay. And Magnus force is that that's what, what that's so gyro spin is the type of spin that creates no Magnus movement oh, or something. I, see. I, I don't know. It's like bullet spin or that's definitely different too. But anyways, so yeah, so Magnus is. That that's how much the spin is disrupting the air and causing this difference in pressure on different side of the ball, causing the ball to move as a result. Okay. So uh, that's... the other big the other big force causing the ball to move gravity, like the air resistance causing it to slow down uh, for one, um, but it's also then creating the the, the air currents and the magnets. Uh, then you have gravity. Heard of that? Which 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 pulls on the ball for the entire time it's in the air, and you know then then there's trajectory and whatnot. But forgetting about trajectory, like like how much does the ball break? The the typical way that it's been shown for all these years is starting from 40 feet out, right, to front edge of home plate. So 38 feet and change. Call it 40 feet. So 40 feet, just the Magnus force. That's it. So it's basically and that's like you a get you get like a you get like equation, a movement, right? It is a little, yeah. It's just well, yeah, it is. Uh, so how much? So that tells you how much the ball has moved due to spin. So that's short form movement. It's Forty right. feet of flight, starting ten feet, fifteen feet out of the hand, 
going to the front edge at home plate and how much does the spin of the ball cause the pitch to move and it's a perfectly fine number except it's not <laughs> because it doesn't really mean anything in term in real world context like you get vertical like movement with positive numbers which is not actually happening but the ball is resisting gravity by that much but it's not actually moving up everything's moving down and this this is where the the term the rising fastball um which everyone knows yeah. can't happen because the however. brain is expecting the, yeah, yeah the brain is expecting the ball to travel differently than it does because of the spin resisting gravity it's not overcoming gravity right. that's not happening not hot air balloon. Um, yeah. well it's not spinning that fast like you have to you'd have to spin the hell out of the ball to overcome gravity and make it go up uh so and i think is that, that even point, possible i don't think so okay I think the only way to make a ball go up out of your hand is to throw it underhand um, <clears throat> or throw it up, period. Right. So it's not going to spin. You know, it's just, you, it, just humans won't be able to spin a ball to do that. I don't know if a machine could do it either. I think at some point the whole drag thing breaks down. Right. So, okay, so from 40 feet in, just measuring the spin movement, you get like five inches of vertical movement for a sinking fastball. You get... 10 inches of vertical movement for a rising fastball. It's really confusing. You know, so it's like, what, but the curveball is negative 10. Slider's like zero, zero. Like, right. Like the slider doesn't have any vertical movement. It, it doesn't make sense. It's like, but it's like, okay, so compare it to the fastball, maybe. You know, we use that as your point of reference. But that's, that's okay. That's, but really, what you do, if with the gravity, with the long form movement, you actually do two things differently. One is you do, turn gravity back on basically right and and that really dramatically will extend the vertical movement of the pitches and we also start the measurement at 50 feet instead of 40 so move it back 10 feet and then turn gravity back on so exactly and and what what jeff talks about um and shows in video and charts and stuff like that is he shows a andrew miller slider that obviously moves a long ways and um but it's it's not necessarily tracked in the short form um or it's not as dramatic i guess in the short form but in the long form it's misleading yeah in the long form it's like wow that is you know it's a big break it's a you know it's it, it has a lot more movement and drop than you can notice in the short form and so I, I think the one interesting thing is, um, you know, Jeff talks about it and he says, you know, like this isn't, this isn't saying, uh, short form is better. Long form is better. It's not saying that either one of them is more helpful in any particular way. He's just saying that these are two different things in one. Correct. And, again, correct me if I'm wrong. One measures like with gravity, what you can actually observe. Um, it's kind of, and that's the one that's easier. Yeah. That's the one, the long form is easier to relate to what you're seeing on the baseball field. It relates better to how players describe things as well. Like how much did that, you know, look, we have a say guys like a a, nose to toes breaking ball. And then we say it has 15 inches of break on it. Right. Well, 50, give me 50. Right. Instead, that's that's a bet. That's the better number to share, and 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 that you know, like that tells you that's how much it's diving. And and that does that take into account the mound as well? 
Um, yeah, I would. It, it's 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 doesn't really have regard to the trajectory, okay. so it doesn't matter if you're on flat ground or on the mount. It's like this is this is the the flight of the ball that from the point you released it to the place it went to. That if you'd thrown it like in a straight line, or if you'd thrown it without any spin, this is how the ball would behave relative to it. Got it. So it doesn't. It, it kind of doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. There's angles and trajectory things that matter that not in the context of describing the movement. So. Yeah, so it's just, again, if you ask like a catcher, like how much does that guy sinker move, and he'll like hold out his hands, like he's like showing you that he caught caught a pretty big fish, but he'll show you like an angle of his hands, like that indicate there's a drop. You know, it's not just moving one way, and I think you see that better with this. One of the examples Jeff uses that the in the charts themselves, like the changeup will, if you add gravity, a changeup won't disappear in the movement chart as you know, just being in the blob with the fastball, it will actually be below it because the gravity is pulling on the ball longer and you're including that and therefore it's going to show a difference in, in movement based on what gravity was doing simply because the ball went slower and had more time for gravity to act on it. Right. And that helps you understand and see the pitch and understand the difference between the pitches themselves. You lose that fidelity of like this guy's changeup has depth. You lose, you can see that in a long form chart, but not in a short form. So what's um, a short? If you're looking at the short form, which um, is that is what's on? Is that what's on Brooks? That's what everybody uses. It's no. Yeah. Well, we have both. I okay. wish I, I. I mean, everything that I use defaults to long form. Like I don't look at short form movement, and I literally haven't for a long time. Like I, as soon as I was like shown the light, I just went. And this was I mean seriously like ten years, you know, nine years ago now i think eight years ago when mike and uh mike fast and matt Lenster, i recall presenting this at, at, a, at a conference and i was like that, that, that's better that's better we should all be doing this and everybody else is like nah we don't want to change it so i just kind of in, in my worksheets the stuff that i use to do my work to chart games uh to look at pitches digitally is why would I not use long form, <laughs> you know? So, and it's a huge part of that. And then also I think in describing it and displaying it and trying to explain what movement is, it's so much easier if you're actually saying, well, the ball is dropping this much on the way of the plate. Yeah. As opposed to, well, no, that plus 10 actually means minus, uh, you know, good luck. You lose yeah. people. Yeah. So what's short so form good for? It, analytics stuff where you're trying to understand stuff and trying to separate out velocity from stuff, uh, type of things like that. Um, I, I think that, that, that's where, that's where I think it's more useful. Got it. So it's like under the hood. So it's not as it's otherwise it's just, you know, and all the stuff is so influenced by what angle your arm is. And I said, you know, so the short form movement is always what they used. I mean, they, they've experimented with the longer. I think initially they actually were trying longer. It was just speed. Um, so they honed it in eventually for speed. And I think the reason they chose, you know, they have it. Basically, if you just go to game day, what you're seeing, well, they changed it. It used to be speed at 50 feet and movement at 40. Now it's speed is at 55. Movement's still at 40. I don't want them to move movement back to 55, just to 50. You could, it's the same thing in, in a way, but it just becomes the scale blows up really quickly at that. It's like a geometric thing. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to, you know, it, it just works at 50 feet. It just works. <laughs> it's just, if you just do, you know, long form movement, 50 feet in, 
with gravity, you're getting that's that's the one that works. That's the one that I think depicts reality the best. Like that's a good and, good picture of a pitch. Yes. Is that right? Okay. And so that's you know, and then when we show all these fun like three D charts, you know, that are you know fake three D that we're going to put you know uh, in, in some books and also on the, on the site, you know, the movement will be relatable there. So when you see like a chart that shows the path of a, of a slider versus a fastball. You know, in one hand, it's like this is also where tunneling starts to become related. You can see like, okay, this guy's movement was a bit of trajectory difference between the two pitches, but there's also a spin difference between the two pitches. And it's much better to then be able to look at that uh, field, you know, know, fake 3D field view of a couple pitches in, in the air and understand their movement relative to long form than short form. It just fits, it all fits together much, much better. Uh, so as we, as we start producing stuff, uh, continue to do this stuff on the site, it's, we're just going to focus on long form. Like it, it, like I was like pushed back by my, my colleagues and my peers, uh, in this business, they, they were like, no, let's stick with short form. Let's not change the standard. Uh, you know, even if, if Dan Brooks had agreed, you know, with me on this point, <laughs> we would have done this a long time ago. So he put it on there. I don't think, I think what he has now, like his default view of a scatter plot. If you, when you go to scatter plots on Brooks baseball, it's speed and short form horizontal movement. And that's just not what I recommend. <laughs> you know, choosing must choose long form vertical and horizontal movement. Uh, yeah. And I, that's what I would want. So, you know, maybe we're just going to kind of start doing that. On, on the BP side, where we're just like, you know, this is what we're just what we want. You know, I'm pretty sure when we, you know, it, it's just better. It's just better. But the, for the, the the short way came out first and had that kind of toehold. But I think it's time to just kick it and move on. Is that selectable on Brooks Baseball? Or yeah, there's yeah, you can see it in the left, like when you go to scatter plots and and now he doesn't have it selectable in all the movement table sometimes you're stuck with one or the other and you don't really get to choose but in the scatter plots you can choose got it yeah but check out um check out jeff's all article. the charts that jeff yeah the they're, charts they're, of jeff's article those came right off the site yeah so they literally pulled those off the site they're really good at showing the difference in, in what they look like so definitely recommend that we'll link it up and um yeah so that is also um not the yeah. only stats related article that we have read recently there um was uh a, an article in the past week i would i think um on deadspin mm-hmm. um, yes by Statcast. who is it by emma Li- oh, yeah, emma, emma. Ba- yeah i don't know how to pronounce her last name <laughs> i don't want to butcher it Bacalary. Um, yeah, i think that's right yeah, she used to write with us, and I, I was interviewed for this article. Yeah. So, um, so it was, yeah, it was basically talking about where Statcast is, what it's used for, some criticisms that have been um, put out there, or concerns, I guess, with Statcast requests. Re- requests, yeah. Um, Kind of the long and the short of that, or part of the long and the short of that is, 
Um, and something that you tweeted about Harry was um, kind of the accessibility of the data. And so maybe you can, yeah. you can talk about well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this like baseball stuff if it wasn't for the pitch FX data being left open. You know, in order to establish myself and and have clients that give me their private data, and, and also in the years when that private data really didn't exist, it was all because it's publicly accessible data. And there were a lot of people who, like Josh Kalk and, and Mike Fast, who people from different backgrounds than the typical baseball, you know, feeder. You know, they're physicists, you know, scientists. Like you start to get that's diversity in thought and point of view which is not the richness of diversity of, you know, that we really need to seek in this, this industry, but it was kind of a small dollop of diversity that because you created this, uh, you removed a bunch of barriers to entry to the industry. Like if, if you could just pick up the data and do stuff with it, you could prove your chops and, 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 you know, see if you can do these things, make a con- positive contribution and so people get picked up by team or, you know, do what I'm doing. It's just, there's all sorts of, you know, there's things happened. Okay, basically the industry was reshaped a bit and injected some new blood and whatnot in a very natural kind of meritocratic way. It's like right place, right time. But if we if we we did good work, so we got noticed. That's not able to happen now because Statcast data is not available now. People will say, "No, you go to Savant. There's all sorts of data." And I say, no, those are products. Those are, you know, I'm taking this. I think Kate probably, Kate Morrison probably is the one who said this, but <clears throat> that those are the products of StatCast data. Those aren't the actual, that's not actual StatCast data. And so sprint speed and launch angles and all these things are not what the analysts for my generation used to, to cut our teeth. Like, we, So I would actually tell someone who wants to learn how to be a baseball analyst who wants to be noticed by a team or something like that or just do cool work, don't use StatCast. Because you don't have control over the the, the, uh, data. You you don't have the ability to critically look at the actual tracking information and make the needed adjustments that need to be made uh, to do all the decisioning and development to developing your own analysis or perhaps developing your own metrics, you know, just repackaging the, the other, the end products. That's like a meta analysis. That's leaderboard sorting. That's really not, that's not what I look for when I'm looking for people to develop and flip into, you know, the world of working for teams. And that's not what the teams are looking for either. You know, it's like, there's, there's definitely entertainment value and intellectual value to those things, but it's not, it's not the real, it's not the real thing. So it I, would be like doing analysis on a statistic or a metric that already exists because it's meta analysis. Yeah. It's so what it is. It's meta. And, and you, you're, and, and there's an opacity of the, of the uh, assumptions that you don't know what what you don't have control over and accountability for the assumptions about the data, um, the completeness of the data, and things like that. So, and knowing what that that different parks will look different if you don't like handle and manage do things with them like that. And basically, all the things that we did and discovered with PitchFX data, it's like a hundred times more of that to do. And MLB has their path has been to just do it themselves for the past three years without any. 
limited outside help. They, there's a few universities that are, that are involved in this and, and whatnot, and they, but there's there's not, uh, and they just hired a person to manage quality control, um, which is very good that they're doing that. Um, but this, this has been out for three years, and if you would just let it go open from the beginning, if you think about what we did with PitchFX in the first three years, uh, we'd, we'd, we'd have the same type of thing happening with StatCast. And I say that because there'd be more people. It wouldn't just be like a handful of us or so that were doing it. It'd be like 50, 500. Like there's a much larger base of people with the skills. Like I had the skills to do certain types of coding and work with certain kinds of data. Way more people have those kind of skills that are hanging around baseball nowadays than there were just 10 years ago. Right. And so what about the, the, so, the contention that, that there's too much data or that um, pe- people I don't, couldn't handle I don't, it? I don't, I don't agree at all. This is at all. Yeah, this was, this This is also an article. This this is what Tom Tango said in the, in the article was that he's concerned about releasing information because he thinks it's, people are not unable to handle things. It's too much. And it's actually the opposite. Um, There is, hasn't been an uptake by people like me in the public sphere with using StatCast data because of the reasons I just discussed, we're, we're, we, I, if I was interested in doing meta-analysis on someone else's products, I would, I would have been doing that for the last 10 years. I mean, that's part of what I do is I take someone else's you know, data products and make them better, but I don't want their, but then I give, the, but then all the outputs that we create will, will then are, are therefore better if even for just using generic, you know, production after that or we create our own and so you know the reasons like we could have done we've done framing and, and all this stuff with like starting to use pitch uh, pitch fx data inside of projections and prior evaluation it's because we we're able to really get the date our hands on the the rawer level of the data so when you read the article they talk about how many terabytes of data each game generates and they always just kind of parenthetically or in a quick aside go including video <sighs> Right, like, well, dude. So it's it's not 95%, just ninety five percent. It's not the video, man. Yeah. It's like, and the teams have a video management system that the league provides. Like, there's a there's a viewer. Um, so I'm not saying that's not complicated. I'm not saying that we should just have the absolute raw radar streams. But there's an API that the teams use, and people like me who are consultants for teams use to access the data. That sh- that's safe to open up. I have no, I have no doubt whatsoever that there are scores of people who can handle managing that data. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not a lot. Um, I mean, we basically, it's it's a job, but it's doable. It's not as easy as PitchFX, but again, it's yeah. doable. And if you just say, you know, someone host it, you could. You know, it's like it's like we have a scraper and a thing. We have a whole we we, we have a process that gathers the data and takes all the tracking data and, and does a bunch of things with it. And yeah. you know, like people can do that. So I, I I don't I don't believe it's too much. I think it's it's literally not enough. It's like how come people aren't uh, grabbing Statcast data and doing new analysis with it? It's like because we literally cannot. Right. We literally are not provided the right amount of information. And that's dictated by Major League Baseball Advanced Media. Is that right? Like the, yeah, they, or they, you know, they the commissioner's the office, someone. And, yeah, it's the yeah. data that teams, with the, the, you know, they're they're owned by the teams or or Disney now. Yeah. But basically, 
yeah, it's their data. And like, they're just like, we don't want to release it for whatever reason. Okay. And it, there's, there's a whole bunch. There's like, it's, it's a competitive advantage for certain teams. Right. Um, there's, cause basically public domain will help, will bootstrap the lower level teams up to a kind of a higher baseline yep. than they can get. So there's teams that don't like losing their competitive edge. And uh, that's been the case with PitchFX data. Uh, I mean, I've gotten notes from friends when we published various studies of different like framing or minor league framing, even even though that didn't involve pitch tracking data. It still was like, many people go, oh man, you know, that was our competitive advantage, but now right. it's just public and every team in baseball can just pull it. And so we have to be 10% better. It used to be just easy to be 100% better. They had no idea. Suddenly there's an information asymmetry that's you know easily overcome by even teams that were lazy <laughs> okay right. okay but if that's your advantage competitively that's fleeting and i always you know and i'm not the only analyst who had this happen like chris dials another guy he we talked about this on twitter today uh, this week and we're like yeah i mean this has happened it's like you know we've published things and most of us have had this occur it's like not only are uh, sometimes you're called to get a consulting job <laughs> and, and sometimes you're called to you know be like oh man you know don't don't that was us that was our idea you know it's like you know it's 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 okay i get that <clears throat> there's also i think fear <laughs> so there was a weird thing that happened with us where we basically created a team of people at bp to work on statcast and you know it's like a bunch just like people with phds and stuff you know it's like people that are like fright, frightfully smart and we were like, hey, well, we'll help. We just want the data. Give us access and let us publish. We understand there's a lot of concerns and things. And they, you know, bam, chose to did not choose Baseball Perspectives to be their partner. That's fine. Like that's like that's their choice. That's they, you know. But we're going to continue to go and do the work. And we decided also that oh, we all the stuff on Savant, we should actually do some stuff with it because. I, I, you know, we could, we can show some value that, that, you know, we can give some value back to the community make this data better and publish some stuff about it. And so, um, th there was some thing about, you know, park differences in velocity and, and, you know, things like that, uh, that, that you know, basically batted ball information was different in Arizona than it was in, you know, at, at, at Shea or city field, whatever it is. And, uh, <clears throat> we actually got in trouble for it. <laughs> So like we had to take a part of it down. Like we couldn't host a lead, a sort of a leaderboard with our information. Like right. we came up with a corrected velocities. So I got kind of uh, a little bothered by some of the things I read in the article that were said. You know, like and, and also over time, like they've all. I've, I've, there have been public statements by Bam folks. God, this art. This episode sounds like we're like pulling dirty laundry day on Bam, but this is just coincidence. My God. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that's happened is that they've chosen not to put this data out there. They, and then they've gone and complained that people haven't helped them enough. And one of the, one of the statements made was, and this wasn't in the article. This is long before this. This was, was that everyone who asks to help offers to help asks for the data. And that was like stated as a criticism, like, oh, they're ulterior motive. They don't want to help. They just want the data. Right. How do you help without the data? I don't know. 
so I'm like, then you don't. So I found that bothersome at that time. And it kind of came up again with this article because it's like people aren't doing anything of it. We're disappointed. We're not getting support from the analytic community is kind of the tone of some of these messages that have been, you know, made by their employees. And I kind of taken aback by that, to be honest, because it's the opposite. It's, it's, it's not true. It's like we are we were told to take down things. We offered free consulting and we, it was declined. Um, and we don't understand this like notion that we should just accept your product and just go with them because that's not what any of us have ever done. And so I, I'm I, so yeah, I'm kind of I'm like actually bothered by that professionally. I'm like that's that's like just not like fine, keep the data private, but don't tell me that it's private because we can't handle it, and also don't tell me that the community hasn't offered support and insight. Right. I, so, I mean, it seems like they're, you know, in some ways talking out of both sides of their mouth with that. Yeah. And you can't, and you can't do that. I'm fine with them. Like if they just be like open, like, look, we've chosen to sacrifice that for whatever reasons, whatever it is, you know, yeah. and, and I've heard, and there are many reasons and it's a combination of many reasons and yeah. there's not a single, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but, it, it it's just it's that's their choice. I'm like, and I said this when Emma talked to me, and I think I like the last quote in the article where I'm like, "This is a gift. This is free stuff. This is this is this is incredible. Like, this is tracking information, and we're seeing you know information about how fast players are and how they're taking their routes and how hard their throws are. That we just this is great. This is really good stuff." But, you know, if you go further up in the article and listen to what was said earlier, I'm also saying that it would be better if it was open. Right. And you're just losing the power of all these people. And, and, you know, it's and I'm not and it's not like some like, wow, Harry has these amazing ideas like data should be open. It's like, no, this. Oh, my God. No, this is like, you know, the people who like this is like pretty much everybody in this industry feels this way. Like right. the people understand why they don't like there's reasons. And yeah. like, so there's like people get, you know, they're like there are reasons. And I'm like, I agree. There are of reasons. Course. There's totally reasons, but they're not really good ones. And <clears throat> it's, it's not beneficial to the industry. And, uh, you know, Marv white from sport vision, it, when, when he was, he, he is adamant that like when this was happening back at that time, when it was potentially going to be field FX still from an, and this is a point in time where Marv was actually at ESPN briefly between going back and forth to sport vision. But he was, we were having dinner with him and Alan Nathan, who's also in the article and Dan Brooks. And, and, and we were basically, you know, I'm like, look, I understand that they're going to keep this, this not going field effects or what now became stack. I'm like, I understand that's not going to be public. And, you know, Soviet and Marv's like, it's a terrible idea not to have it public. I'm like, Oh, you know, no, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, you know, Marv went on to basically lecture me on the practicalities and, and his experience, like being the chief tactical officer at Sport Vision with dealing with these things. Like, he's like, this stuff, it's just not good. Not that I don't want to speak for Marv here, but basically the takeaway from <clears throat> that conversation was there's no good reason. Like there are reasons, but they're but they're but they're they're insular. They're they're not actually healthy and efficient reasons. Not for and, the well. I mean, I I think. There are they they definitely, benefit maybe a few teams, but that's not what yeah. this should be. Yeah. This is owned by all 30 teams. Right. 
And absolutely, if teams fail to take advantage of it, that's fine. But it, it's the openness of it would help. And so the reasons they give publicly for like, well, we every the more we release, the worse it gets. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> release some tracking data. Like release the tracks. Like actually release tracking data. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what it would even what it would even look like if it was. It's just some, it's just X Y. It's just a bunch yeah, of locations like and timestamps. Some. some portion of it like one aspect of it whether it's you know yep. the launch angle or i don't know i, I don't no, know do, do like sense, a good like, player track do like base yeah. base run. right but just to, to see that and it's like even if it's just that and then yep. it's like if if the community isn't there or if it doesn't deliver then it's like then they then they can yeah, be like i'm not gonna bother but it's like yeah. i don't i don't but I mean, to be like here here's our sprint speed here's our launch angle please right. show us your analysis on it it's like that's not and like giving people the recipe for barrels so they can calculate barrel information on their own that's not supporting the community that's just saying here this is our definition yeah go ahead and you know tweak it use it do something like that it's like i'd be like yeah, that's fine. But that's if I really want to really do something with this launch angle and exit velocity data, I want the I, you need the tracking data. An analyst would want it. And a person who's serious about doing analysis would be like, I need the tracks. I need the raw tracks. And not the raw, raw, raw tracks, but like the process. Like here is the data. And I I, I just, you know, to me it's not an it's not even remotely intractable. I mean, it's like it, it's it's a lot of data. Um, more than pitch FX, but I got to tell you, people are used to dealing with large data sets. It's not that big. Right. So, you know, I, I hope they reconsider. <laughs> I really do, you, do. Do you think that there um, is an underestimation of the sophistication of the public analytics community? Mm, it would, um, yeah, would this, I think their statements imply that yeah yeah i mean but i, I yeah. the public analytics community is also part of i, I mean I, I do both <laughs> you know? right right uh so um yeah there was a lot of people talking about moonlighting like alan said it in the article and now people moonlight. and that was another one of my points it's like that's not a that's first of all um that's not a totally accurate statement because some of us right. actually do this for our living. Right. Okay. That, I, I'm not moonlighting. Um, two, all these guys were moonlighting. All of them. Right. Tango. Tango was, right? Bill yeah. James. Yeah, Tango just left his regular job to work for BAM. The first time he had a, you know, he's worked as a consultant moonlighting for baseball teams. Right. He's worked for hockey teams. He's worked on his books. He's done all you know, all these things he's done up before he got hired by BAM. He was an IT professional, nine to five. So I kind of found it funny that the article talked about moonlighting being like, oh, we don't want to hand this to moonlighters. Like, or, or that being some type of perception right. that they don't want to hand it to moonlighters. That was and I'm like, what, what? I'm like, y'all are, uh, <laughs> y'all are kidding, right? Because <laughs> one, you know, not everybody out here is moonlighting. Uh, yeah, and those of us, even we are like, like judge. Yeah, he's moonlighting, but he's also one of the like one of the leading statistical modelers in baseball, and in and in high demand by teams for consulting. 
You know, like I sometimes we lose judge because he goes exclusive for a club for a month or two. This happens to us. You know, it's like we get like only a couple hours of his time during that. And so it's like these, you know, and Russell Carlton, you know, he's he's worked for teams. He, he's he's another guy hanging out here. Uh, you know, I, I mean, basically, if you have good people, they can do they can do the stuff on the side. I did. Right. This definitely, this is definitely a little bigger. And you need full time, so we did. We actually had people who worked. You know, like there's people here who work who are, are available to support these things. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty of people in the community who just there's there's a just there's a lot of underemployed people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, there's yeah, for sure. There's so there are people who would th- this would be we'd be so much further ahead in our understanding and use of the Statcast data. Uh, then we, we, it, it, three years in than we are now. So I, I'm very happy that we have what we have. I'm very happy that it's there. I'm triply pleased that they've hired someone to manage a, and build a quality practice. Uh, Ben Jedlovic from who came over from baseball information systems, who's long been like a product manager type person there. Um, so he knows a lot about handling data and making sure that the uh, the end receivers of that data are happy with the quality of the product. Like that's <laughs> so having that type of sensibility at, and that focus on that at BAM is going to be beneficial. So I think they're going to start doing better. The irony is they could have had a lot less, you know, for Ben to do if they had let us do it for three years, and they would have had to pay. I mean, literally the first thing we do is look at like calibration issues and, and data quality issues. That's just the first thing we do with everything. And, you know, okay, I, I can't help BAM because there's no public access to information that I know I could, that could be helpful. If they just put this stuff out tomorrow, like we would start turning things over to them the day after tomorrow. In, in, uh, like literally, let's like talk literally, about that like for a second. If Bam said this is open, like this API, you can apply for API access or something like that. I'd be like, here's our application, and and also the list of shit we're going to give you tomorrow. And that's going to cost us money. That's bad. Like, like this is like we could be, you know, we like theoretically it'd be better for BP to sell this stuff to teams, but that's not our mission. Our mission in baseball is to help the public, um, and so how, so yeah, how, we. What would the <laughs> wait, what would the mechanism be there if like like you're talking about like to turn it back over to them so you would I would just give them code we set like, up a GitHub or something code. get yeah. them an account yeah. yeah but no it's like yeah that's how it would be it's like here's the, you know basically this they could just run this you know like you have to apply for access to the API yeah. and sign a bunch of contracts and stuff which is basically what we had to do with the teams anyways okay great then you can approve people I understand you don't just want this wide open because it's not a small amount of data. It, right. It's, 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 you want people who know what they're doing, hitting your API. Right. Um, so I can understand controlling access to a certain level, but we would then allowing us to like republish and, and or repack it. You know, it's just like, I understand that they don't want to do that. I understand they want to monetize this, but <sighs> you can still monetize things that have been open sourced. And if the data quality is better, they'll have they can focus more on getting things quickly to the broadcasters right. and letting us idiots figure out things. It's like this, there's ways to split this work up and have redundancies and overlaps between public and private, and have teams be still have competitive advantages 
in certain ways. Because um, it's never about the quality of the information as much as it is, is the quality of the decision-making systems around the information. Right. And Well, like all the teams that, that, have access to the same data right now. Um, correct. How, how is it that some teams use it better? It, it's like, well, that's the whole thing. That's the competitive advantage that they have is yes. they have people who either have they're making the decisions based on the analysis of the data. It's all the same data. So Right, and and, and BAM shouldn't be in the, put in the position of helping a select group of teams maintain a competitive advantage. Right. Like that that this that puts this puts them in a tricky spot. Because they're they're probably don't like, you know I I can't imagine they like that either. I, I think for the most part, like if you go down the line, the people in, in, in the BAM offices who work with this stuff and ask them, would you think it'd be better overall if this data was open and available to the public? The answer would be yes, across the board, with a couple exceptions based on what I've seen people say in public now. And and one being that I, I think that except one of the based on what Tango said. Like, I think he'd be one of the exceptions, which is really, I think, kind of hard for me to process. So hopefully I, I'm wrong with that assumption. Um, but I think they would be like, yes, but we don't know how quite to manage it. But they could engage with the community to figure that out. Right. Um, so there's something the powers that be are saying, don't do it, don't bother. And that's that end of story. And <clears throat> I, I, it's like they didn't take they, they learned the long lessons from the pitch FX era. You know, they, they, they took away the wrong, you know, it was, we got to make sure this stuff's private instead of, wow, this was really good for the industry. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm obviously I'm very, I'm quite critical of some of their decision making and some of their reasoning on this, but at the same time, I understand it <laughs> you know, where it's like, I kind of get like, they're, they're, they're kind of in a pickle. Yeah. Like it, it's not the norm to release this data. I don't think other leagues do it. So right. I can understand that. Um, it'd be, I understand there's some risk in terms of perhaps with the expectations of their stakeholders in terms of event in the future of monetizing these things. And this may seem to run counter against the grain of their plans to monetize. How, how would they monetize it though? Cause it's owned by the, I mean, would it be like selling, it to, the, selling, yeah, okay. selling it to broadcasters? Yeah. Selling the data products to broadcasters. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I, okay. You know, I mean, okay, does opening the data mean that you're then competing with them and they can, no, make it a license of using the API that you can't do direct sales of products to the broadcasters. Right. These are all Something solvable like that, like, problems. Yeah, there's all solvable problems. You know, I agree. I, they're all. So, it, but it's just not something that, I don't know, that they're a business and it's not something that, you know, they should want to do. That's fine. But again, to kind of really long-winded here, but circle all the way back, it's fine. But just don't tell me that it's because of me. <laughs> right. that's I, because I, I can't like, handle it yeah yeah they're basically like y'all, y'all can't handle this and it's better if we don't give it to you like dude no let no, me no, pro- no. let me prove that <laughs> or not yeah yeah let me, give me a chance to prove my incompetence all right well harry we'll we'll do that right now um because we're going to start talking about the hall of fame uh, so oh, maybe the, the tracker yeah all right so ryan <sighs> Thibodeau, I believe is how you pronounce his name, um, has Mr. Not Mr. Tibbs, at Not Mr. Uh, Tibbs on Twitter. Um, He has been doing this for years and years and years, and maybe we'll have him Mm -hmm. on a little bit later. Uh, I think that'd be cool. 
Um, but he has his tracker online, and there's some significant. Goes back to 2009. Yeah. 2009. There you go. Yeah. So there's some significant um, Hall of Fame candidates this season. Yeah. And what he does, he collects all the votes that are public, and then eventually he also gets the private votes, you know, figures out what the delta is from what the final vote totals are versus what he's able to collect from people who publish them. Right. Um, sometimes they directly, he, it's gotten to the point where some of these writers are just like, they just know to send it to him. Um, but basically, he, people, you know, and so you can look at these this and see like what percentage they've got on the public ballot, but also know that the private ballots tend to be vote very differently. Yes, <laughs> especially the steroid guys. Yes, so like it's like twenty percent off. So it's like what Clemens is like just floating seventy four point four right now. For so it's like percent needed on remaining ballots seventy five point two. Yeah. Okay, so he's on pace. No, because the difference in his private between private and public is 20 points. So it's like an actual, it's like, it's like you, you have to deduct like nine point forget. There's like two different columns. It's a little confusing, yeah. but you have to deduct a bunch like, okay. So Clemens, he needs to be like 85% on the public ballots to be safe. It's, so it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but it's also a little depressing. Yes. So if you, um, you're not in the BBWA, are you? No. I don't think so. I'm not a baseball writer. Um, if you had a vote, Ooh. who would you select? Um, I wouldn't, I would have a lot of problem keeping it to 10. Yes. You have to, for the sake of this conversation uh, right now. Wow. Okay. Um, well, let's just go through this ballot and see if I get to 12. All right. Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens is a Hall of Famer. Vladimir Guerrero is a Hall of Famer. I, I'm not on the Trevor Hoffman train because, um, especially since I know that I'm going to have to cut someone. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to cut him now. Okay. I, I just don't like relief pitchers, just, I mean, it's great, even the great ones. Like, it's just a your relief pitcher. It's like, it just, you know, okay. Andrew okay. Jones now, he's not, yeah, not, not a Hall of Famer. So I've got three so far out of five. Okay. Chipper Jones, yeah, he's definitely Hall of Famer. Uh, he's going to make it. Yes. Um, Jeff Kent is a no for me. I mean, he's always a woman who was a close, but not quite. So definitely, and definitely the crowded ballot, he stays as a no. Are you keeping track of what I'm saying? Can you tell me? Uh, yes, I've got, I'm, well, I'm keeping count for sure. Well, Yes, I yeah okay. I, I am. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so because I'm not paying attention to what I'm saying, someone here has. To. All right, so Kent is a no. Edgar's Edgar Martinez is a yes for me. I think he is very very. Even if he was like the, I like the the one the line. What is it? Even if he was the worst defensive third baseman in the league, yes, he'd still be good. You know, so um, so he's in for me. Fred McGriff, I don't believe is a Hall of Famer. I think he's. Again, like in that Kent group where it's close, but I don't, I never, I'm not compelled. Yep. Uh, um, Mike Mussina. I'm going to put a yes on him, although he's someone who might not make the cut because of the 10. But I think he's a he's an under underrated pitcher and a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher, but I'm not sure if he's in the top 10 on this current list. Oh, 
Manny Ramirez, huh? You know, I think honestly, Manny's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> totally. He, God, he doped so much. Yes. And got caught so much. You know, I. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think he is absolutely one hundred percent a Hall of Famer, and. Uh, but if and, you're gonna and, and wow. <laughs> And wow, dude, you you got busted a lot. Um, okay, so let's put him on soft yes right now. Okay, Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer, and right wow. now he's got eleven percent. And yeah, he is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Like this is not even like a hard one. First ballot, do you think? I mean, he's not. No, make he's it, not. He, but... he may he may even fall off. Yeah, he's at eleven percent now. So if he goes below five, he's gone. Yeah, he, it's it's crazy. Since this is episode 15, I should point out this happened to Jim Edmonds, too. I think Jim Edmonds is not a clear Hall of Famer, but he's another borderline guy, and he's and he was off. And he should have stuck around on the ballot. I don't know if he ever would quite make it, but deserved more. Roland, to me, is one of the best third basemen you know, of our he, – he was just great. He was a great player. Played for a long time. Yeah. Played a lot of games. Won a lot of gold gloves. Looked really good on pretty much every single defensive metric. And, I mean, every system has him as a 70-win player in his career. So all the defensive ways of ways of looking at a guy, defensive value and his replacement value and all that, all come out to 70 to 72 wins. It's a whole thing. Johan Santana um, hasn't received a single vote. <sighs> Uh, that may make me like vote for him to make sure at least he gets the five percent because he was good enough to be a Hall of Fame pitcher. What about longevity? What about uh, Sandy Koufax? If Sandy Koufax is a Hall of Famer, then Dylan Santana probably is too. Koufax was really bad for a few years. Really amazing for a bunch, and then gone, left, because his arm was falling off. All right, his peak was great, but there was no longevity. Johan was really good, man. That changeup, oh, he was great. He was really good. Kurt Schilling, who's a total jerk, had a call fame pitching career. You yes. know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I think he had a, I, I, I mean, he's, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think he may be better than me, Cena. Sheffield's a no. Sammy's a no for me, also. Wait, was so Santana was a a yes? Johansson. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a yeah. Schilling would be a yeah. Sheffield and Sosa no. Both very similar in terms of being close, but not quite. Jim Tomey, absolutely. Um, on this ballot, I don't have room for Omar Vizquel. Sorry, people. I think he is close, but I don't think he would get my vote. Same with Billy Wagner. And I think I would give Larry Walker a vote because... Um, He's actually underrated in a way because yeah. people say he wasn't that he was just a course field guy and it's just the numbers don't actually support that. Yeah. 
So I actually think he's he had a Hall of Fame career and was, you know, a bit underconsidered. I, I actually would, yeah. So how many was that? Like fifteen? Eleven. <laughs> Eleven. Okay. Oh! Question: uh, If you had to do a reliever, would you do Wagner or Hoffman first? Oh, uh, I think Hoffman. I haven't really thought about it, probably Hoffman. So who do I need to drop to get myself to 10? Uh, I'll, I'll read off what you have. Barry Mons, Roger Clemens, Vlad Guerrero, Chipper Jones, Edgar Martinez, Mark Messina, Scott Rowland, Johan Santana, Kurt Schilling, Jim Tomei, and Larry Walker. I have to drop one of those? Yes. Do I now use the character clause? <laughs> <laughs> Shilling, you're out of here. No, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I would have to really sit down. Like, if I actually had to fill out a ballot and pick ten, it, it would um, be hard. I do uh, not. I would. Yeah, that. I, I. I would really struggle. I would really struggle, and I feel like you undercounted me. I think I had more. One, two, three, four. Oh, oh, yeah, Manny. I didn't get Manny. 10, 11, twelve. Yeah, I had twelve. Yeah, Manny. There's so many guys who are good enough to be on, but even the guys who I'm going no to, like on a, thin, on a thinner ballot, I would probably give more consideration to. Yeah, Jeff Kent is a guy like that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, Kent is like that. Yeah. Yep. But see, to me, Johan not getting any votes yet is kind of like he's going to get Kevin Brown. You know, it's like it's going to be the same thing. Where it's like Kevin Brown was an outstanding pitcher, had a Hall of Fame career, and Boop. Yeah. Didn't stay on the ballot. Yeah. And wasn't there someone who's not even on the ballot at all who <sighs> Um Sounds familiar, but I don't know who. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, by feeling anyways, I think we're gonna have a pretty massive Hall of Fame class. So who do I think's now now I'm gonna say who I think's gonna actually make it? There you go. Okay. Vlad. Yeah. I think Hoffman's gonna make it. Uh, Chipper. Yep. I don't. I think Edgar's going to plummet. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that he's going to get get the hose. I think Tommy makes it pretty easily. Tommy was a um, guy for me when I was. I was. Um, I mentioned this in in Slack, I think, and I was like, "Yes, yeah. that was I'm you, like, yeah. I'm like, I don't was know, man. Really like, was he really? I get, and I went back and looked, and it was like 22 years, oh and like, <laughs> yes, he was. And I don't know. I think I maybe just, I, re, I think I remember more his later years than his years where he was just dominant in Cleveland, and uh, like his kind of like huggy, you know, like old man right. uh, recliner for the White Sox and for you know like that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, he he was a fierce monster. Yeah, he was an absolute Yeah, like just, just devastating. Like that Cleveland, Cleveland had some. Oh yeah, man. Man, even Travis Hafner was. Manny was there. Oh man, they had some teams. Yeah, Albert Bell, Bayerga, those all those guys. All right, so who's on? Who makes your ballot? Did you disagree with me in any of those picks? Um, Roland, I probably he probably would not get a vote for me. Um. <sighs> I would go Bonds, Clemens, Vlad, Chipper, Edgar, Musina, Manny, 
Chomi Walker. I think I eliminate I eliminated Schilling and Roland, so I think I'm at ten. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, not I, this I is know. a really good ballot. Yeah. What well, it is? It's crowded, and that's what people are saying. Like it's going to be crowded, and um, this like, is crazy. I mean, just looking at this, I'm like, this is these guys are all really. Like really good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the guys were like, "No, I wouldn't vote for him." Like that guy's actually really, really yeah, good. Yeah. Chef, <laughs> I mean, Sheffield, like McGriff, like you said, Fiscal, yeah. yeah, McGriff, Sosa, like those guys had ridiculous careers. But it's like, you, it would, it's ballots too crowded. I think it would look so different if Bonds and Clemens had already been in. Yep. You know, I mean, and Edgar, it's just. How long has he been in yeah, ninth year? Ninth year yeah. No, wait, that's no, 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 no. Yeah, it is. Holy smokes! Yeah. yeah, I think he gets in this year. So I hope he does. What was he last year? He's like fifty-eight. Yeah, yeah. But um, so also along the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame lines, um, our friends, everyone's favorite, uh, former. Cincinnati Red, Joe Morgan, uh, sent, sent out his note to, um, was it all BBWA members? Is that right? Yeah, I, he got the whole mailing list. Yeah, yeah. And, and basically trying to say, don't vote. Don't vote. PED users. Um, so yeah. I thought that that was. That was uh, wild. Yeah, kind of, kind of weird. Um, so my thing with him is that he's always been. strange about who should be in the hall of fame like he he did not like ryan sandberg so i I just like i i feel like morgan is part of it is by self-preservation yeah he didn't didn't like ryan sandberg because ryan sandberg was a better ryan sandberg didn't have no he wasn't okay no he was not no joe morgan was wow like joe morgan was way better than ryan sandberg (laughs) Sandberg isn't that much better than Kent. The difference between Sandberg and Morgan and Sandberg and Kent, okay? Sandberg is closer to Kent than is to Morgan, in my mind. Like, bona fide Hall of Famer, but also overrated. Sandberg was? Sorry, Chicago. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I... I Like I said, definitely Hall of Famer, also overrated. Okay. All right, Joe Morgan. Uh, yeah, good. Joe Morgan was really good. You have to understand something. Like he may have been the best second baseman of my life. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone is. It was before my time. It, it, so. Oh, okay. So I was get off my. Yeah. <laughs> You're not that much older than me, Harry. Um, but well he was he was MVP two straight years, both World Series champion years. For the big red machine, seventy five, seventy six. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, career on base three ninety two. Played till he was forty. Uh, led the league in on base four times. Led the league in slugging once. Led the league in OPS twice. Those are the years he won MVP. He stole six hundred and eighty nine bases. He had stolen. I mean, he had seasons where he was, oh, man, he was so good. He was playing second base at the, at the elite level, and he was dominating, like, 
player at the plate, controlled the plate, hit some hit for some power, plenty of power for a second baseman of that yeah. era. Yeah. And and ran and ran. All right. uh, he was you know, he was so good. He I'll, was so good. And I'll walk I only back saw my him statements. at the tail end of his career. I saw him like, you know, I mean, I was five years old when he won his last MVP. Okay. So like I remember mostly people other people's memories and his highlights and his later career when he was not that great. But, All right, you oh are God. way older than me then. Yeah. I saw kidding. Willie McCuffey play. I met uh, Willie Stargell at spring training one time when he was with the Braves. I went down to spring oh training. I was I was just a young man at the time, but uh yeah. There you go. Oh, the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, we can leave the character clause and stuff out at this point. I think that would be. I think that'd be wise if everyone did that. Just forget it. Like, just warts and all. You can put a jerk in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, can't erase it. You cannot erase history. I, I can understand not letting guys go in until they're dead. <laughs> like, I'm cool with Pete Rose being in the Hall of Fame. But I'm not cool with Pete Rose walking up on a stage. Right. Like he's a lifetime ban. But after his life's over, okay, I, you can let that ban. And I'm not being really, not really being facetious either. I mean, yeah. So uh, his career deserves to be recognized, oh, but I don't think he deserves to deserves to enjoy the honors. Right. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> so um, then there was also some other Hall of Famers minted. Um, Oh, Alan Trammell and yes. Jack, and Jack Morris and was there another one? Those are the two that I remember because they were Tigers guys, which from my youth. Um, why am I blanking? There wasn't there another. No. I guess it was just the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, they denied. Not I don't know if they denied, but uh, Marvin Miller did not. Yeah. make it. So He's it's set up to keep him out. Yeah. Like literally, there's too many like ownership side people on the committee to get him in because they won't vote for him. they won't vote him in, which is a sham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Trammell definitely deserved to make yes. it. It's a little weird that the veterans committee put a guy in right after he came off the ballot, though. And not with Lou Whitaker. I thought that was a little weird. And not yeah, Lou wasn't even considered. And now the Tigers are going to go retire Trammell's number and not Whitaker's. And I just, that sucks. I think they don't need to compound the mistake. Right. Um, Whitaker's one of the most screwed over on the ballot ever. Totally. (laughs) And uh, so um, Morris was eventually going to get in. I think that was, you know, and what's kind of funny is, and I think we talked about this, did we? That he actually, Warp kind of likes him. So, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's not as crazy if you'll get our at, at DRA based warp. Um, he piles up some good numbers, yeah. He was good, man. He was, he was, he was a bulldog. As, as I watched the, the 1981 or 1980 all star game recently, and it, he was, you know, he was considered the man, like he was, like yeah. it's, it's, it's true, it's true. He was a really good dominating starting pitcher um well it's interesting because the 91 world series when he did the 10 shutout innings and all that stuff that was like at the tail end of his career um where he had already 
yeah. won a World Series with the Tigers, and so yeah, yeah. The peak of his career was with good. Detroit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People remember the Twin stop, but he was you know a big part of the Pir- uh, Tigers. So I mean, yeah, I don't think he was a slam dunk case. I think if yeah, I, I don't understand how Tommy John. If, if Jack Morris was taken in off that on that ballot, why wasn't Tommy John? Tommy John had twice the career he had. I mean, literally, Tommy John had you know <laughs> really long and productive career. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So overall, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't have a problem with either one of those guys going to the Hall of Fame. Um, definitely not a Morris like aficionado, like, but I'm okay with it. Same. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's fine. All right. And but Whitaker got screwed again. They didn't even make it onto the final ballot for that committee. So. Nope. My favorite Lou Whitaker story was when he made an all-star team and they like lost his jersey or something like that. And so oh, he yeah. he colored in a number one on the back of his jersey with like, a, um, like an eyeliner or something like that or a marker or something. I thought that was uh, – Pretty awesome. So he appeared in an all-star game with a like hand-drawn number on his back. I think there's like a Reggie Jackson thing where he had to borrow uniforms also. There's an Eric Gregg thing where he had to umpire in Cubs gear. And uh, yeah, there's been a few uh, uniform mishaps. I love that stuff. Wardrobe malfunctions. Maybe we'll do a whole show on wardrobe malfunctions. Uh, yeah, we could do that. Um I think I've exhausted my wardrobe. Uh, That's pretty much stories. Yeah, that's all I got. No, no, man. Steve Lyons dropping his pants. Oh, yeah. That was good. Um, yeah. Well, I think that that is about all we have tonight, uh, today. I think so. The show. Today, tonight, tomorrow. Um, follow us on Twitter, at stolen underscore signs. Email us if you want to, stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com. Rate and review us on iTunes, please. And um, we will talk to you next time. Next year. Next year, yes. Oh, my. Goodbye, baseball! Moonlighting strangers Who just met on the way Who just met on the way Who just met on the way